Welcome to the Teaching Excellence podcast, hosted by me, Steph Wilkinson, quality improvement specialist and wellbeing fanatic, interested in how we provide high quality education. I'm interested in culture, innovation, and how we use evidence-informed practice to really make a difference. I'm joined each week by people doing great things in education to share their experiences and freshest thinking with you all. I hope you enjoy. Good afternoon and welcome to the Teach Excellence podcast. Um, it's been a while, um, but I'm here and joined by Isla. Hello. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I am good. I'm tired. It's the end of term, but it's that usual end of term feeling where nothing is stopping until yeah. you actually stop. I know. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. A bit similar, actually. I, although saying that slightly, feels like a slightly easier week this week, but saying that I've got all my MPhil uh, research to be uh, getting ready for the research conference, which is next week up in Sunderland. So um, work-wise, I feel on top of it, outside of work, research stuff, maybe not quite as much, but it'll be good. I'm looking forward to the conference. So we've got loads to talk about really, because we've been a few weeks since we recorded. And um, I suppose we just, we were trying to whittle it down, weren't we, as to what we might talk about. So we might not include everything that we've been um, been doing, but what have you been up to? Well, um, I've changed jobs. Okay. So- I'm now focusing more on community rather than ESOL, though there will be some ESOL in there. So I'm now program manager for community at my college. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been getting my head around that and getting all of that set up and um, yeah, understanding it, going out and meeting people and building relationships with the team and the partners that we work with so that's been very interesting but probably contributing to my tiredness um, because community involves lots of evening work (laughs) but it's really great and what I've seen so far is fantastic Um, I went to a conference this weekend which was amazing in real life face to face seeing real life people amazing that was was really good and a tecla um which is like the national association for teaching english and community languages and um that was great got some great ideas for teaching met lots of people yeah very inspiring that was in sunny birmingham (laughs) (laughs) so good because there was a train strike on but i still managed to make it because i am obviously a brummie and it is easy for me (laughs) and then um yeah yeah finishing off my digital project as well so making um some online resources for english and um vocational areas which should be available soon so lots of stuff really what about you yeah similar so much going on at the minute but um or over the last few weeks there's there's been all sorts as we hurtle towards the end of term but um i suppose some of the things that pop up in my mind are Lots of thinking about next year, um, which is always, I really, I quite like being in that place because um, it's that time where you can go, okay, what do we want to, how's it gone this year? How do we want to change it? What, what's worked? What hasn't worked? Um, but with that comes lots of discussions and um, training as well um, to think about how we develop things. I've taken a real sort of collaborative approach to change and development this year probably more so than I ever have and that's probably been 
because of the situation of working in an interim role um, part-time for a college where I, you know, it's, it's forced me to work really collaboratively with, with teams because it's not going to be mine to hold um, because there's an end point to that. So, um, and what, what I'm, what's popping up in my mind is the work that I've been doing with the apprenticeships team just really recently on, um, you know, the age old um, improving progress reviews and um, tracking of progress and uh, student buy-in and target setting. So the usual apprenticeship priorities but what's been really nice is that I just took a totally different approach and focused that training on um, relationships and building relationships with employers and students and how we can make the whole process very people-centered, but also thinking similar lines to what you were saying about community, but thinking about um, that bigger picture of need and skills need and industry um, requirements and industry buy-in. So thinking about the, the processes with a lens of, of people, which has been really interesting and raised some really interesting conversations. Also, mainly about positioning apprenticeship tutors as coaches and as people who ask really good questions to explore progress and to explore what's been going on in the workplace. But because I can never help it, I also drew in some stuff about evidence-based teaching. So metacognition and feedback, how we could do that using evidence-based approaches and how we can then link that to create really motivating and relevant and um what's the word I'm looking for sort of um ambitious targets maybe for for students so that's been really interesting a couple of other things that have happened recently is um I organized or sort of headed up an accessibility week last week and we had all sorts going on including externals involved which was just great um, a couple of weeks ago I went to a collective ed event and like you just really loved being in a room with people who um, were just really interested in coaching, mentoring, professional development from primary, secondary and FE. So loved that. And then really recently, so Friday just gone, was at the Northwest Quality Managers Network um, up in uh, Lanco in Lancashire. And again, just love being in a room with people where we really debated where we're at. We shared ideas. We talked about challenges, problems, um, what's going well. And we had updates from Ruth Stammers from Ofsted and also Richard Coldfield from the AOC. And um, yeah, just really useful discussions about where we're at in FE and the sheer list of challenges that we kind of currently face and then how we can do the best job that we can in that environment so yeah really interesting um what's going on at the minute but and I suppose the other bit is me changing work as well new chapters coming up and looking at well-being being a real part of what I do so well-being 
for students and supporting colleges to think about what is their well-being learning how do we support learners to be more motivated more engaged more positive able to handle um difficult and challenging situations so what we're talking about actually is emotional resilience mental resilience how do we develop that as a skill set so really passionate about that really interested in that and that will unfold over the summer um but yeah lots in there to talk about um tell me more about the conference actually um who was there what we were talking about well it was good because normally i'm a bit like um i'm actually really shy and i find conferences really difficult um but it was nice because a lot of the connections i've made online over the last couple of new years a few like a few people were there so it was lovely to see rachel owner and um, chloe hines and Greg Dugdale and Eve Shepherd, and like have a little gang to sort of meet up with. So that was great. Um, it was interesting. There was like, I think highlights of the conference were, I mean, like there was proper like teaching stuff and tech stuff, which I love. There's yeah. always a bit of tech. So I learned about Pear Deck actually, which was really good. Brilliant okay. talk. I've, I've heard about it, but I've never really dug deeper and I just assumed it wasn't really for me. It's got quite a cartoony logo and I thought, well, maybe that's just for schools, but it's actually a great way of like adding engagement and interactivity to a slideshow and you can embed it into PowerPoint or Google Slides. And instead of going off to Kahoot, say, or Menti, you can do it within and you've got the same sort of features. So multiple choice, you can draw on it. You can do hot spots, agree, disagree, and all of that. So that was a great little tool. So I'm pleased to be bringing that back with me. Mm. Did lots on vocabulary, which is very relevant to ESOL teachers. But it was interesting to hear that we've been doing it all wrong. <laughs> um, but <laughs> learning, but basically should not be teaching in word sets so much, say like days of the week or months of the year, but really what's relevant to the learners and what's most frequently used and using what are um, the most thousand frequent words over what we think are the words that are most used. So um, there are resources that we can go into to find that. And the teach me, I love the teach me. Same. Like I'm that never to that <laughs> idea never tires for me because you get so much in such a short time and there's lots of variety so you can never be even if there's a bit of a duff idea in there it doesn't matter <laughs> the good ones that sounds terrible they were all wonderful um and we um about a uh, thing that i've really picked up on recently is drawing in esol and using that to transfer things and also it's a great learning tool isn't it we know that if you've got pictures next to writing it's dual coding and it helps people remember more and there's a brilliant lady emily bryson who does some brilliant training on that for esol tutors she wasn't there but her um, learning had spread to people who'd been in her courses and chloe um did a little presentation of the drawing she'd used in her teaching and that was really lovely um uh, what, oh, she did this brilliant thing where she just sort of drew weather symbols like storm, cloud, sunshine, and just a little way of doing a check-in with students. Something I used to do during lockdown, but I'd literally ask them, but this takes the words out of it. And basically they just, they go to the drawing and they just put a hot spot um, on it using Menti. So you import the 
drawing into Menti and then you put your hotspot on how you're feeling today. And that's just a nice quick visual way of doing it and something anyone could embed yeah. into their lessons. Um, so that was great. Eve Shepherd um, did a lovely presentation too. Tons and tons and tons of stuff. And I don't want to go on too long because we just won't have anything, any room for anything else. But there were really interesting keynote speakers um, um, particularly one really reflecting on Ofsted visits over the year and mm -hmm. people's interpretations and impressions of what it had been like to be inspected and how the new sort of framework's being applied and what it's like. Um, our college have been inspected this year and I know you've been through a pilot. Yep. So yeah, that was all really fascinating, really interesting. So that was dead good. Oh, it's it is so great to be back in person, isn't it? Um, at conferences, I I haven't almost looked at what's out there and planned what I want to go to because it's it's felt like forever since we've been able to do that. But I think it's definitely something that I'm going to put on my list for the summer, which is have a think about what the conferences are that are coming up in like the first term or even what we know might be coming up through the whole of next year. Um, but yeah, like you say, um, Ofsted is kind of on everyone's radar as ever. And before we talk about that, actually, because it is, um, we off, we don't often talk about inspection or Ofsted, but we just, we both realised through our chatting that, yeah, you've been through it not full inspection and I've been part of pilot for the um, extended inspection and so yeah we can talk about that a little bit because it's it's interesting um but just before we do um what you talked about at the ESOL conference reminded me of one of the my colleagues on the MPhil is doing research into teaching ESOL in context and so um yeah, so that is Salima Copley, who is researching how we can um, use real life experience outside of the classroom to maybe teach ESOL better than this set scheme of learning. I'm hoping I've explained Salima's um, research properly there. Um, but yeah, I find it all fascinating because like you said, it has to be it has to be relevant, doesn't it? Or we have to think differently about what we do if we're gonna if we're gonna make it most relevant for people. Um, so yeah, uh, okay. Let's talk about Ofsted. I didn't we probably <laughs> we didn't we didn't expect to be talking about it. I suppose when we we decided to record today, but it is on everybody's radar, and um, I've definitely been you know that's been part of what I've been thinking about since the beginning of this um year since well December January um really thinking about that and um so let, let's go to um what came up at the conference actually um well it was really interesting um but I mean and useful and good because everyone's experience had been similar and people were quite positive about it mm -hmm. um really the overview is that it's the deep dive is the phrase and that really reflects what they do now is it's a deep and narrow approach so in some ways if you're in one area of the college that doesn't fall into that scope you can be all altogether mi 
uh, like mist um, and that it, it really concentrates on like very specific areas and then they are very thoroughly looked at you know and there's a lot of emphasis on speaking to the learners and I know that's your experience mm. as well and work scrutiny and seeing how learners have learned and progressed over time but really honing in specifically on those areas but even when I say that like say it, they the providers that were talking they were talking about large ESOL providers so um, one in London Jenny Turner's college um, I think it's New City College they've got about 8,000 ESOL learners I think so huge area but they looked so specifically that they really only went to about six classes um, so six learning visits so that was interesting and again real focus on the learners speaking to the learners finding out about their experiences also on safeguarding that's the major one mm. um so it was really interesting that it came up at this conference as well because it doesn't often to be fair and the conference covers providers that aren't um covered by Ofsted but also about like the three eyes um what that really means you know what what are we doing and why are we doing it and and all those themes that have been coming up over the last two years of these buzzwords like repetition and spacing and spiral curriculums well that was actually all applied not only through the keynote speaking about it but then in within this like vocabulary sessions the practices the good practices that you can do to help people learn say vocabulary but many other things and how you can use the things like the rep repetition the spacing and the spiraling and the dual coding to help learners remember better mm -hmm. that's all sort of embedded in so yeah um lots of focus there what what's your experience and understanding yeah reflect on what you just said it's um what i quite like about what's happening at the minute is when you boil it down it's all about what are you doing and why are you doing it whether it's from a strategic perspective as a college and um at the northwest quality network on friday um we had a, an update from ruth stammers who talked about the extended inspections and what that was looking at and how you know ultimately all it means is how is the college meeting the local regional national needs that it needs to it's not about the college trying to do everything and be everything to everybody because it's about assessing the situation and looking at well what do other people do well that you don't need to do but what are you doing and how do you work in partnership with those around you but also with industry to decide what you're doing how you're doing it and why you're doing it um, and I think you know all of that just makes total sense um so but my experience of of uh, the pilot inspection from a teaching and learning point of view um was really interesting like you say very much focused on student experience and um, talking to lots and lots of students about um why they chosen to come to the college what that experience had been like through um, induction and what progress they'd made over time they looked at the quality of learner work in lessons both um, written and practical, looked at how those skills had developed over time. It was all about could the students articulate how they needed to make more progress or how what progress they'd made and what their targets were. Um, and, you know, how then industry had, had been involved in that or what was their experience of how um, of industry, whether it be work placement or whether it be 
industry visits or whether it be guest speakers, that sort of thing. So it's very much focused on this knowledge, skills and behaviour um, development. And, you know, I think where I've been kind of working towards thinking about that from a, um, I think about quality improvement in three ways. One is what's the strategic quality improvement need, which often comes from your college SAR and QUIP from last year. And then I think about curriculum development and quality improvement on a curriculum level. So that's then assessing where are they all at and what are the differences, what are the different needs. And actually that becomes me having really close relationships with the curriculum managers that says, okay, what are your quality improvement needs and how can I help you along with anybody else who works in the teacher and learning team, whether it be coaches or whether it be um, other teacher training or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but then I also think about quality improvement from an individual perspective as well. So professional development. And so pulling all of those pieces, because they're not small pieces, those big pieces together and aligning messages and aligning key themes helps you to make the decision of well, what are we going to do and how are we going to do it and how are we then going to see change over time from a quality improvement point of view my experience of inspection was once you've told that story they're matching it to what they actually see so if you're saying that this is what we're doing from a strategic point of view and this is how we're doing it they'll then look at is that having an impact in classrooms? They'll then look at curriculum departments and what the curriculum lead says is their quality improvement strategy and what actions they've been taking. Then they'll test that by asking the students what's their experience of those things. What was really great was that when um, the team went out and looked at all of what was going on in classrooms, they could easily see what we would have been talking about from a quality improvement point of view and the feedback was that they'd what they'd seen what we'd been telling them it's been happening was being seen in classrooms um and that was really interesting for me because I haven't documented that to the nth degree but if you can see something happening in the classroom and students can't articulate it for me that's the that's the evidence, isn't it? That's the impact. It's not writing it all down and um, and doing other things uh, that kind of, you know, log and uh, measure. So that was really interesting for me. Um, but yeah, I think there's something interesting there, isn't there, about still there's, there's, there's lots of discussion at the quality um, quality managers network on Friday about initial assessment still about gaps in learning how do we identify those what do we do about that um and how you support that wider well-being was definitely a topic that was discussed on Friday as well how are we developing emotional mental resilience um with learners what is that actual bit of your provision and how do you do that from a holistic curriculum perspective but just before I forget um I can well I just thought I'll, I, I've uncovered um some notes that I took a little while ago which were a couple of questions that I got asked um in a pilot in the pilot inspection and you know they're not secret 
because these are questions that people are going to ask other people. But it was about um, there were some real questions about what does quality improvement look like overall? Um, what is what does staff development look like? What does staff induction look like? And um, how are we taking into account people's the different start points that people come in from a staff point of view into the organization what's the expectation for one-to-ones with staff um what's how do we manage staff performance how do we use lesson observation outcomes to inform quality improvement and cpd design um what does development with curriculum teams look like which departments needed additional support to reach strategic targets so for example if a strategic target is improved value added are there departments that don't need additional support with value added because their value added is really great and then what are you doing differently for the departments that have got lower value added scores and how are you improving value added for them so there's very much this because there's not a and that's the thing with cpd or professional development or quality improvement it's not one size fits all but it really highlights the importance to work with curriculum managers and what and how they do that at a local level, which has also been quite a lot of the focus of the work I've been doing with colleges um, in different places, which is how do we really maximize quality improvement at local level? And how do we, how do we really support curriculum managers to do that? This is so interesting because, of course, it's CPD season in FE, isn't it? I mean, I don't know about you. We've got development weeks. Um, we've just started and development days and everyone's attending conferences and things. And the, I, I, I've just got my subject specific stuff by going to a conference. But what's provo- being provided at college um, and a variety and how can you ensure that the right people go to the right things? It's just fascinating to explore, really. I think there's something about and it's something that I've been working on all year, which is how do you develop a sense of professional ownership and autonomy in an organisation? And it's not an easy question to answer because none of this is about professional development. It has historically been a done to thing and people even still talk about that when it's a strategic target so this is a strategic target so we all just need to do it and we all know that when something is done to us we don't buy in the same and so I know I mentioned this on the last podcast but the little book which actually is now like in my desk drawer that I just pull out all the time is the collaborative professionalism book and all the answers are not in that book but the notion of it is there So the notion that anything that we're trying to improve will benefit from people having an input and people having a say. And also, if it is a strategic target, how can we support them at local level? How can we support curriculum departments at local level to contextualise that? Because what that means for each department will mean something slightly different because taking improving value added into construction is different from improving value added in health and social care because the pedagogy of that the experience of that the nuances of that is different in those different departments 
And so having a one size fits all approach to improving value added and everybody needs to attend this or everybody needs to do X or we're going to change this process here so that everybody has to do this means that we get less buying and there's less contextualization of that at curriculum level. I'm literally, that's my freshest thinking. That's how I've been operating, but it's probably one of the first times I've said it out loud. What do you think? Yeah, I really, I really love that. I mean, like, I think what's important is that there is a blend, obviously, but the contextualization has to happen. But then, and then there are always going to be things that people can collaborate on and share opinions on, themes that come out from that. But we do need to go right down to course level with it too and it's like why is it relevant to me why is it relevant to my learners um and that's important and that I you know I always think that people have you know you have to have a say in something to feel invested in it you have to to believe in it and you there are ways of doing that so that's I mean it's a big topic Steph it's something to explore <laughs> further really isn't it um yeah. I think I've got loads of thoughts about those and but I don't think I can articulate it just now succinctly in the time we've got left. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to I'm going to make a note of that because the contextualization um and how we really change how we do quality improvement is is actually something that I'm always buzzing about because you see across the country I still come back to this, you know, we're all busy doing so many things and then we might get to the end of the year and something hasn't moved or from a data perspective or all that energy and effort we've given all year and then we kind of come out with the same results. And I'm not, you know, I'm not the results person, but I want everyone to have got to the end of the year and see that their work paid off. And you want to see impact, don't yeah, you? Yeah, that that everybody that it was worth all that energy and effort. But in doing that, we have to really think differently about what we're doing because we can't just keep doing the same and we can't just keep adding things in. So, for example, there's a big sustainability drive in the country in the world. What are we just going to add that in as well? Well, probably yes. But, but it's that old adage, if you're going to add something in, what are you going to take away? There's got to be balance in order for it to be workable. And this is where innovation really comes in, because we can't, we might have to keep adding, but we can't just keep doing the same because there's only, only so much time, energy and investment we can make. And so we have to think about what we do differently and how we can do it differently. But one of the things I'm a bit of a geek about is how do we do it differently, but even better in the innovation sort of thinking about it? Like, how can we save time, but do something even more efficiently or effectively? How can we have a bigger impact, even if we're going to change or remove it as a priority? Like, how can we do that differently? Because the same things still come up when I ask any group of people, okay, what are the challenges? What are the barriers to excellence? Say if we just use that, people always say time, systems, processes. And actually, if that's true, how do we really shift that thinking away from we need to overdo this because we're fearful that we're not doing it well? And how do we focus on the making a difference bit? 
like what's really going to make a difference so yeah we've got all we can we could talk about that I think again which is about contextualization of quality improvement um and we could probably talk about inspection in in a lot more detail so what I think I'll just mention here is we don't always get messages on anchor we get a couple I've had a couple over over the years but if you want to know like Isla and I have been part of inspection we're now going to events where we are hearing other people talk about inspection if there's something of specific interest that people want to know then they could leave us a voice note in anchor can't they Yes. Yeah, I was going to say this, actually. Anchor is fantastic. So if you do get your podcast, if you can try and get your podcast through it, because you can get your podcast from anywhere. But Anchor's got this fantastic facility where you can leave us a little voice note and you can have your own segment on the show. So I do <laughs> we want to know if you don't want to do that, that's fine. You yeah. can just tweet us. <laughs> yeah, that's an option. Yeah. I, and um, if you leave us a voice note, we, you can tell us that you don't want it to be aired because um, we can air them, but we don't, we haven't ever done that. So um, if you want it to be aired or you're happy to, for it to be aired and we can do a Q&A sort of podcast, then let us know. And if not, just leave us a voice note and we'll write down the questions and then we'll answer them in, in, a, in, a, in an episode. That'd be really cool, actually good idea okay well um as ever always um awesome to talk to you isla and um i'll speak to you soon yeah great thank you thanks for listening to the teaching excellence podcast leave us a voice message in anchor tweet us and let us know what you think or what you want to hear on the show tune in next week for more Have an amazing week and be the best version of you.